All right, it's the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin here with my guy, Frank Tucker. And Happy New Year, everybody. We're representing for CanesCounty.com, of course, part of the Rivals Network, bringing you exclusive news regarding the Miami Hurricanes athletic programs. Make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel, uh, as well as our podcast on everywhere you get your podcast. And uh, Frank, first, I, I do want to touch on a, a very solemn situation that kind of happened last night in the football community overall, which was DeMar Hamlin last night, um, you know, made a routine tackle against T Higgins in the Monday night football game. Uh, Buffalo Bills safety then collapsed after making the tackle. Uh, we heard the uh, from the reports through the television that he was uh, getting CPR for nine minutes. Uh, reports are that he is still alive. Um, he's in critical condition at, at the hospital, but um, just, you know, for me, Frank, just kind of watching that. I mean, you and I, I mean, we, we've watched millions of hours of, of football throughout our lives. I have never seen a situation quite like that. And it, kind of just put a lot of things in perspective for me just that you know anything can happen at any given time in a football game and it wasn't a vicious hit by by any stretch it was just a routine tackle I think that's what was more mind-boggling for me the fact that it was just a regular football play and we were thinking that we possibly lost one of our members of the football family in, in DeMar Hamlin. Your thoughts, Frank, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but, um, you know, just your thoughts on on kind of what happened in that in that game. Yeah, I watched it, and, it, you know, we were texting about it in the group group text after Gaines County, and it was crazy just because it wasn't even a head injury. Uh, it was, you know, a chest injury turned into a cardiac arrest. Uh, you know, you never want to see that happen to someone – especially someone that's 24 years old. And there was actually an interview that came out that everybody started to post about him talking about, you never know when it's your time to go. So that's it. It's, that's it eerie. just puts everything into perspective. It's just an eerie type, eerie type thing to hear, eerie type thing to see. Unfortunately it happens in this violent game, but I think it maybe puts things into perspective for the fans. Like there, there's a certain way we should go out go about talking to and, and reacting to these athletes, you know, that are essentially putting their lives on the line every time they step on the football field. So as a former coach, a high school coach, th this is something that kind of hit home for me. I've had kids that got knocked out on the field, but I've never had a situation where a kid ended up going into cardiac arrest and, and was in critical yeah. condition. So, um, you know, my prayers out to him and his family, and hopefully we get some good news today. Yeah. Uh, the NFL ended up, canceling or, or postponing the game i'm assuming this game will be played either today or maybe tomorrow i'm guessing it's probably going to be tomorrow night so we're just kind of waiting on a night an announcement on that uh hopefully he's okay um prayers to him and his family uh so ho hopefully that turns out okay so moving on to this week, we have the Under Armour All-America game and a couple of Hurricanes players in this game. We've got 
Uh, Robert Stafford, the athlete from Melbourne, is in this game, as well as Cormani McLean. A lot of controversy surrounding Cormani McLean, like, forever. I mean, it's, it seems like there's always been some kind of, you know, uh, you know, controversy, I guess, surrounding uh, Cormani McLean uh, from uh, basically from the time that he decided to commit to the Hurricanes uh, a couple of months ago. Of course, he did, he did not uh, sign on signing day, was scheduled to sign. Uh, he did show up at the media day for the Under Armour uh, uh, game and declined to take any questions, uh, um, especially regarding recruiting. And now we're hearing that, well, from directly from his, his Twitter account that he has a shoulder injury. I heard from people on the ground that he was indeed dealing with a shoulder injury. It's up in the air if he's going to even be in the game. Uh, but just, it's, it's just, uh, it, there, there's just always news swirling around the five-star cornerback that is committed to Miami. From what we hear, Dion did uh, make a push on signing day. Uh, from what we hear that morning, uh, he made a push for Kamani McClain. And, uh, but he still remains committed uh, to Miami from, from what we're hearing. And it, it was just maybe some technical issues going on with uh, his transcripts that had to be resolved. Hopefully that is resolved for him to indeed sign on the next signing day. Uh, just quickly, um, you know, what do you think about this whole Cormani McLean saga as it continues? It's a saga, that's for sure. It, you saw reports that his coaches didn't even know he wasn't going to sign that morning, right? So that's why for me it's it's a little sketchy on if it was a transcript issue or not because his coaches would have known that there wasn't a great issue or a transcript issue or something along those lines beforehand. He, you know, there were there were coaches literally driving to the to the signing, getting phone calls from media personnel asking them why isn't Cormani signing, and they had no clue. They're like, this is supposed to be the the ultimate signing of the day. This is supposed to be the last kid that signs his letter of intent. He's supposed to be the star of the show. And it didn't happen. Now we're hearing that, you know, he's going to be committing or not committing, but announcing where he's signing, uh, you know, soon, uh, which kind of makes it like that he already signed, right? Because the signing day period is over. The early signing period is over. Did he already choose where he wanted to go? Is this something that he's playing out? For like a documentary, is this something that he's playing out just to milk as much NIL as he can? Uh, it, it's, you know, there's been some issues with Cormani over this cycle, right? And I don't think we want to, you know, pound on a kid too much, but suspension in the playoffs for not showing up, going going to the Florida Classic uh, between Florida A&M and Bethune Cookman, the signing day issues uh, this week at a, uh, you know, Thunder Armour All American, you know, practices. He wasn't himself, right? So I just hope that the kid can get back to just playing football. I think that's the biggest thing that we want for Kamani, even if he doesn't go to Miami, right, is that we want this kid to be able to just focus on playing football because he seems a little all over the place right now. It seems like there's there's a lot of noise around him. And as an 18-year-old kid, it's going to be hard to handle that. So 
Um, unfortunately, you know, it happened the way that it did. Uh, I think he still signs with Miami. I think that there's too many factors going into it. I think it would obviously it's it's appealing to go play for Deion Sanders, arguably the greatest cornerback defensive back in the history of this game. I just don't think it happens. I don't think he makes that flip. I think if Dion had already had a successful season, then maybe that would happen. But I'm very confident that he ends up at Miami. The relationship with Marcus Van Dyke is is better than any coach, including Deion Sanders. I think that Van Dyke probably ends up on field next year. That's why he's, he turned down the job at USF as well. I think all all signs are pointing to to uh, you know Miami solidifying that top five class with Cormani McLean in the fold. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, and hopefully he does indeed play in the game scheduled for today, 5 p.m. on ESPN. And a player that we will expect to play is Ruben Bain, the hometown sack master, Hurricane Bain. Wherever you want to call him, he's dominating this week at the Under Armour practices. And he wants to come home with the MVP. He's he continues to play with a chip on his shoulder, despite being a guy that is a four-time state champion and the winner of the Nat Moore Award and just on and on with the accolades that this kid gets. But he is a four-star, and, and I think he believes that he's a five-star and he's playing to prove that. He's playing to prove that he is indeed a five-star guy. Ever since, I mean, I've been watching Ruben Bain for, for a long time, ever since he's been dominating as a young pup at Central. And it, it wasn't until the first game of the year against IMG that I said, yo, this guy needs to be a five-star. I've been saying that ever since then. You know, um, I was, I was kind of solid at him being a four-star or okay with him being a four-star. But ever since that game, I'm just like, okay, well, he's doing it against the best competition potentially in the nation um he was dominant in that game moved they moved him around the line he was a he was a legitimate factor and i don't think central wins that game up in bradington if if ruben bain doesn't play so i think he should definitely get his fifth star definitely move up in in his uh rating uh, across you know all platforms here uh, just so he can get his due. And based on what we've seen from him in practice this week, I think he's well on his way to do so. I'm sorry, broke up a little bit there, Marcus. I said, um, based on based on what we've seen this week, I think he's well on his way to do so. Oh, listen, the kid is a five-star through and through. He's the most dominant high school football player I have ever seen with my own two eyes. Right. That includes the Ja'Cory Brooks of the world. That includes, um, you know, the Hollandale kids, Tyler Huntley, who won Gatorade Player of the Year, includes Sony Michelle. That includes Duke Johnson. That includes Dalvin Cook, right, who also played at Miami Central. We could be talking about the greatest number four to ever come out of Miami Central. And there's been a number of them, right? This kid, yeah, 77 career high school sacks in four years. This kid is almost averaging. 20 sacks a season over a four-year stretch. State oh, champion really? every single year, right? He's won the state player of the year in his classification the last three years running. 
right? The, he's been all state three years running, right? Bennett against elite competition. Helped his team put out one of the greatest stretches, not just in Florida, but in the country, right? A four-peat is something that is generational, right? And he every notch on his resume, compa comparative to the other defensive ends that are five-star kids, are leaps and bounds better, right? And you can talk semantics of, you know, he's six, two and a half, six foot three, 270 pounds. What position is he going to play? That is beside the point, right? Certain intangibles, you know, require recognition. And he has the ability to get to the quarterback, whether he's rushing from the one, the two eye, the two, the zero, the three eye, three, four eye, four, five, seven, nine, whatever you want him rushing the passer at, he's getting to the quarterback. And if you ask anybody in the Miami Central program or any coach that is game planned for him, they're going to say the same exact thing. On top of that, incredible off the field player, right? One of the best kids we've ever been around. Yeah. I, I don't know how it's even a discussion uh, that he's, you know, a, a borderline five-star kid. I think we should be talking about him among the best players in the country. I think that there's been a lot of five stars, right? No knock on our evaluation process. Uh, you know, I yeah. no. And it can't be perfect, right? It can't be perfect. And part of it is based on projection. Um, but he, these kids haven't lived up to the Ruben Bain billing. And he's – I have said this since his sophomore year that I think he is arguably the best defenseman in the country. Um, and, and I think he's proved it time and time again. And this is another week that he had. Yeah. A couple of other things I want to kind of add to, to that point is that – he has a variety of moves uh, to get to the quarterback. He can do it with his quickness. He can do it with his power, which I think I think he kind of prefers to do. I think he, he kind of prefers to kind of bully uh, someone with, with his just sheer power, getting low and just driving an offensive lineman back. Uh, but he can do it with his quickness as well. Outside moves, inside moves. It's just you just see it all for, from Ruben Bain. And when you compare him to the other five-star guys that are that are uh, considered five-stars or rated five-star guys, like a Samuel Mpemba, who is a kid I love. I mean, that great kid as well. But I I would pick Reuben Bain over Samuel Mpemba. And if you even want to compare him to other five-star players not on the defensive line, I think he makes a better, uh, a bigger impact on the game. Like, for example, a Hakeem Williams, who's considered a five-star player. But I think Ruben Bain's impact on the game is bigger than than Hakeem Williams' uh, 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 impact. So, I it so just kind of to reiterate the point that Ruben Bain should be a five-star guy. He's definitely going to move up in ratings. Um, from what I hear from our guys at Rivals, uh, but uh, we're 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 still going to keep pounding the table for Ruben Bain to get that fifth star. Uh, another one of the Miami Hurricanes signees that are in, that is in attendance for this UA All America game is Robert Stafford. Now, from what I've seen from Robert Stafford, uh, he is a solid athlete. And I think he will, will grow into a great athlete. I don't think he's quite there yet to kind of get on the field, 
as a college quarterback as of yet from what I've seen in practice. I think uh, with him playing against top-level competition, some of the best competition in the country, you kind of see where he can improve uh, as a DB. Um, just really just with his balance and his hips and just getting his head around uh, on time and and just really being more feisty at the point of attack or or at the at the line of scrimmage. I see the potential in Robert Stafford, but I think he he's got a, a, a ways to to go to really be on the field and really make a significant impact for the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I, you know, I haven't been at practice like you at the UAA practices, but there's going to be an adjustment period, right? And that, I, I think everybody should know that. This is a former receiver turned defensive back his senior year. Has he played some DB? Absolutely. But he's been relying on sheer, sheer athleticism over the course of those three years that he was playing spot duty defensive back comparative to his senior year where he really stepped in as a strictly corner, right? And he looked good this year, right? He looked fluid. He's got great feet, incredible length. He's six foot, 270 pounds. The ball skills are there from his background as a receiver, but there's going to be an adjustment. He played at Ugali, a school in Melbourne. That's a solid playoff team, not a state championship contender. He wasn't playing elite competition on a weekly basis. And it's going to be, him coming to college football and probably having a red shirt and being one of those guys that, uh, you know, Coach Adai talks about needing some, needing that mango season, right? He's got to come in and, and, and kind of build it up, right? Become a defensive back and not just an athlete. That's why he's listed as an athlete right now because there is no definitive position for, for Robert Stafford right now. He's got great size. The frame is, is really nice. He could end up being a safety for all we know. It really, we don't know what his his developmental path is really going to take. Uh, I'm excited for it. I think he's going to be a guy that's a two, three year impact guy at Miami. Probably stays um, until redshirt junior senior year, and and I think he's you know one of the steals of the class because they were able to get a high potential player right while bringing in if Cormani McLean comes an impact cornerback in Cormani, an impact corner in our opinion in Damari Brown. Uh, and then bringing in two guys with high potential and Antoine Jackson and Robert Stafford. So I, I love I love the, the the batch of corners that they got, and Robert Stafford is a huge part of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we will see exactly how they perform in the game. I expect Ruben Bain. He said he's getting two two sacks. I At least he, two. At least two. I think he's getting that, you know, and I, I might even throw a forced fumble in there. I can see that happening. Um, so we'll see how Hurricane Bain performs in the game. And we have another game coming up this week. It's the U.S. All-American uh, game out there in Texas. And Miami signees will be in attendance for this one as well. Um, scheduled to to be there is uh, Samson Okanlola. The five-star tackle, uh, Ray Ray Joseph, the the speedster wide receiver, Mark Fletcher, four-star running back, Jaden Wayne, the outstanding defensive end, and then also Malik Bryant, the outstanding linebacker out of right here in Orlando. Uh, out of all these guys, Frank, um, which one do you think is going to make 
the most noise. Obviously, Ruben Bain made the most noise in practice this week at the UA All-American game. Which one of these guys do you think is going to generate that similar type of buzz? I think Ray Ray is going to really bring that buzz um, from the All-American Bowl. It, we always see receivers in, all, in all-star settings really make an impact, right? We saw Lamar Seymour pit commit in the Dade versus Broward game. In the past, we've seen, we saw Deontay Bullens put on a show in the Under Armour All-American game, right? We've seen Jeff Thomas, you know, put on a show in the Under Armour All-American game. It just, you know, if you're an explosive wide receiver in a game where you only really have a week to teach defensive backs, uh, you know, a zone coverage scheme, right, or, or having man coverage against kids that they're not really familiar with or game plan for, the receiver has a little bit of an advantage. And I think that Ray Ray Joseph as a slot receiver, which is what he will be playing in this game, with the chance to take jet sweeps, chance to take a slant, 50 yards, right? Just making one guy miss and then being gone, especially as a, as a potential returner in this game as well. I think he's going to have a huge game, and I think he's going to light things up. Um, and, and he's already kind of lit things up from his interview perspective at, at, the, at the All-American Bowl, um, you know, for check-ins. Um, you know, he's already been talking about how Miami's going to be changing the culture, that they're coming. This 2023 class is the turning point. Um, so, I, you know, just his natural energy is going to be, you know, seen on a national national stage. And I think that his play uh, as a true slot receiver is going to be shining through as well. Yeah, really excited to see Ray Ray. I'm actually excited to see Mark Fletcher. You know, I, I think Mark Fletcher in the game particularly, maybe not in practice, may not generate a lot of buzz, but I think in the game is, is something – where uh, or is is um is a time where we will see mark fletcher make some big plays i i I feel like he's going to break out and get a couple of big runs break some tackles and and just kind of ooh and ah the crowd over there in in texas so i'm excited to see him as well uh just what we do here at kings county obviously we we cover the Miami Hurricanes. Obviously, uh, Frank and I, we were really dialed into South Florida football. So I do want to make sure I shout out some of the South Florida guys in both of these games. Uh, Will Fowles is, is here in Orlando at the UA All-American game. He's out to prove that, you know, um, he's out to prove, to, to be honest, I think he's out to prove to Miami that they messed up. <laughs> You know, because from what I heard, he definitely wanted to be a Miami Hurricane. He definitely wanted to be part of the 2023 class. So he is looking to prove that he uh, was a miss for Miami. And then uh, Javen Simpkins, a running back I, I love out of, out of Miami, Norland, um, had a couple injuries, had an accident, freak, you know, a uh, car accident this year. I mean, he, this kid's gone through a lot, and, um, you know, I, I, I hope he also has, has a, a good showing in the game as well as uh, Santana Fleming. Santana Fleming is also in this game as well. This is a, this is a player that, you know, had a, had a breakout, I, I, I would want to say junior year. I think it was – no, no. Sophomore year. Sophomore year, Pro City, yeah. Breakout year, and everybody was all over – Santana Fleming, including all the biggest schools across the country. And then it, it kind of quieted down. His recruitment quieted down a lot uh, last year. 
may being uh, maybe because of you know quarterback play at American Heritage that year, uh, which they had to kind of rotate rotate Brandon Ennis there. Not a natural uh, quarterback that could possibly have have hurt his stock of uh, among other things. And then at Western, he had a solid bounce back year. Was able to get a commit to or sign with a Western Carolina, which is another one of those schools that are snatching up our South Florida kids. So shout out to Santana Fleming. Hopefully he does well as well. And then in this U S all American U S army game, we've got Brandon Ennis uh, checking in for that game as well. So um, any South Florida guys from these two games that you want to, you know, kind of point out here. Now nah, we pretty much touched on him. Javen Simpkins is a kid that I think is, is going to do really well at the next level. Um, I think that, you know, two-time Georgia Tech commitment, unfortunately, you know, some things happened with that stat uh, that didn't, you know, allow him to be part of that. Um, you know, Michigan State's been on him pretty heavy. Louisville's had some conversations. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy that goes to the next level with the adversity that he has faced and completely acclimate quickly to the college game just because of what he's gone through. We know he has the natural ability. He had a breakout sophomore year, right? He, he's been a guy that was was kind of slept on coming into high school. He wasn't one of those big-name backs like a Mark Fletcher, right, or a Bullet. Uh, he was a guy that came in, nobody knew about him, played JV at Carroll City as a freshman, and then has been a guy, when healthy, is one of the best backs in the state of Florida, not just South Florida. Um, time and time again, whether it's as a receiver, whether that's as a as a you know a power back, whether that's a guy who can run finesse, he is an all around game that I love. And, and w- another one of those kids that we absolutely adore outside of the game of football. So, you know, I, I'm so glad to see that kid be able to get the recognition of being an All American. Uh, and, and I think that somebody's going to get an absolute steal on on the you know the second signing day in February. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A uh, couple other things, uh, just uh, some headlines that uh, you can read on canescounty.com and, and just uh, jump on the message boards, Canes Talk, for exclusive information. Something I want to talk about, Frank, is something uh, that was generating buzz this week is Sharif Denson, one, saying that the the, the Florida – defensive back really kind of said that NIL would it has potential to break up the locker room. I, those, those were some, some, some interesting things that, that he kind of said. And um, he said that Florida was more, more solid. Uh, that's why he kind of went with them and he is uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he was uh, not as certain that the NIL deals that Miami promised will actually go through. So that was interesting. And then also Jaden Rashada is out here at the UA All-America game. Uh, From what I hear from my guys, he's, he's not, he's not flashing. Uh, He's not really showing that, um, that Miami missed out on a good one. Let's just say from, from my guys here at rivals, um, and he said that, you know, at the media day that Florida was just a better fit you know, for him and it had nothing to do with NIL, despite all the speculation. So I just want to serve all that information on a plate to you, Frank. 
Uh, what is your thoughts on 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 those comments from those two Gators? Sharif Denson is an expressive individual. Um, he has been pretty much his entire high school career. Um, you know, a very good cornerback, defensive back, versatile player. Um, but listen, he's a confident kid, right? And and I think he's more so riding for the team that just signed him. Um, you know, there are definitely issues with the Florida Collective right now. Uh, you know, there's been some some public comments um, from the CEO of that collective that have put him in hot water. Um, and, and there's been some issues with payments. Um, there's been issues with them being able to ramp up their NIL numbers. So, you know, I think he's more so just trying to protect the brand um, and, and kind of show that he's solid on his decision. Um, I know Miami and him did have discussions NIL-wise. I'm sure that the numbers thrown out, he was probably shocked about. Maybe because he just wasn't getting anywhere close to that with the Gators. Uh, so that might have been the issue, right? But, yeah. you know, I think, you know, I, I think he's a legacy kid as well for Florida or something along those lines. So I, I wouldn't put too much stock in that. I know Jaden Rashad also said that NIL was not a factor in his recruitment. 100% was. We know that. There's verifiable information out there on that. Um, you know, he, he's one of the kids who cashed in on NIL in the process. And, and there's no qualms about that. Right. It's OK for that to happen. Um, and then Rashad had saying that it was Miami was not as good of a fit. I'm hearing rumors that, you know, he did try to revisit the opportunity prior to signing day on returning to the class. Um, and there was also discussions with him to go to Oregon before they were able to flip yet another four star quarterback to get into their class, uh, I believe, from Wisconsin or something along those lines. Um, but one of the top quarterbacks in the 2023 class. So. You know, I don't think necessarily he was as sold on his decision to go to Florida at the end as he was when he flipped the, you know, from Miami. Um, it's so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he develops um, at uh, University of Florida, especially with them, you know, substantially going after transfer portal quarterbacks. Um, you know, offering up pretty big numbers from what I'm hearing uh, to them, and then also getting DJ Lagway, uh, arguably the top quarterback in the 2024 class. Right. So is Florida that sold on Jade Rashado or was this just a, you know, kind of a, you know, a sword match between Miami and Florida where they were just trying to win out, uh, you know, on, on the few battles that they lost. Um, so uh, I think it's interesting, you know, but I think kids are just kind of going to ride with the school that they signed with. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And uh, the recruiting is going to continue to ride as well as the transfer portal is going to continue to ride into the sunset for the Miami Hurricanes uh, as far as, you know, getting more guys in. And just you wrote a couple of stories this week, Frank, um, in regards to uh, potential 2024 kids that Miami could land. The transfer portal needs to pay dividends for Miami, especially at receiver and defensive tackle. Uh, those are the two positions that they desperately need and safety as well, because you only have one true safety on the board. What are you hearing and who do you think Miami lands next? I, I'm not hearing anything at safety right now. That's the unfortunate thing. There, there are not many options out of the top 50. There's one guy uh, uncommitted or unsigned right now. Um, and he's looking at group of five and FCS schools. Uh, he's, He's one of those guys who just kind of hung around the top, you know, 50 safeties in the country. 
not a Miami type kid. Plus, he's out of Texas. Probably not going to happen. Um, probably ends up like a Houston or something. Uh, receiver, unfortunately, Raymond Cottrell. Right, that was supposed to be the that was supposed to be the saving grace. The outside guy, the Georgia commit, the Georgia flip. Right, he was supposed to be another, you know, signature signing for Mario Cristobal, beating out one of the national powers. Unfortunately, he flips and goes to Texas A&M. Super surprised, in my opinion, especially because he's Emory Williams, number one wide receiver uh, over at Milton. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I still think it's the Dante Thornton race. Uh, you know, there is a receiver out of Charlotte that they could look at. Um, there, You know, there's not a ton of options. Georgia went and grabbed two of the, two of the kids out of the portal, uh, the one from Missouri. You know, I, I liked him, the Lovett kid. I thought he would have been a good fit at Miami, unfortunately. Uh, you know, they secure him. They might have to pivot to the Juco route, kind of how they did with, uh, you know, Colby Young, right? Yeah. But we'll, we'll see what happens, right? The, you know, I, I think that they're they're okay with the receiver group right now because they added Ra Robbie and Bobby. Colby Young's going to have another year to develop. Frank Ladson comes back. He could be a solid fourth or fifth option. You still have an abundance of talent at tight end, right? You bring in Riley Williams, right? You still have Elijah Royal coming back healthy. You got Skinner, who could play a role as an outside receiver with his his frame and his athletic ability. So I, I think, you know, they're not going to just add guys for the sake of adding guys. Um, and then at defensive tackle, kind of broke it down a little bit. I think they would like to add one more guy. I think they love Ahmad Moten out of Cardinal Gibbons, redshirt freshman. Thomas Gore, huge addition, right? You lose Daryl Jackson, but you get Joshua Horton, who we think is one of the best defensive tackles in the country. And you've seen his rise into the top 15 defensive tackles as we've switched his position from strong defense, strong side defensive end to interior. Um, it, he was incredible this year, over 120 tackles for undefeated Langston Hughes, state champion. Uh, understands what it takes to help build a program from two and eight to undefeated. Mario Cristobal talked about that on early signing day. He's a guy that has to be a building block player. They have to add more players like Joshua Horton. Um, so I think they're going to be okay at defensive tackle, especially because Jacob Lichtenstein comes back for his 17th season in college football. Uh, <laughs> so he's going to provide some good depth there. Um, but, yeah. you know, I, I think I think transfer portal-wise, things are kind of quiet right now. Um, Devon Sears, uh, transfer – you know, interior defensive lineman out of Texas Southern is a player that they recently offered. Uh, you could watch for him. Uh, he was talking about making a decision over the next couple of days. Um, the, you know, the, it's just there's not a ton of options in the transfer portal. It's a little late in the game. Now we saw such a, a ramp up at the beginning where everybody was kind of finding homes and jumping in the portal and kind of locking in. And there's been some tampering, right, especially at the quarterback positions. And it seems like some of like – you know, the big-time transfers are finding homes as soon as they jump in the portal. So that's interesting. Yeah. But 2020 yeah, – uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think we're going to see some more transfers uh, – transfer players available um, in the next couple of weeks. And once bowl season is completely uh, done, um, how about those playoff games? I mean, those were outstanding, by the way. Um, but once these bowl games – are complete you're going to see more guys jump in the transfer portal and Miami will potentially be going after a lot of a lot of guys in the next coming week so look out just for some more names to, to pop up one of which uh that I've heard is Caden 
Price Corn. He is a tight end out of out of Memphis, a uh, big guy, and he ha- also has a little brother as well, Brady Price Corn. So it could be another brother tandem uh, to come to potentially come to Miami. That uh, little brother is a four star tight end, and uh, the older brother had about 700 yards last year for Memphis. So look out for a possible uh, brother duo to maybe uh, come to the U as well. Another name I have to throw out there is Nicholas Harbour. This, this guy is a freak athlete. You know, he, he could probably play four legit sports legitimately. He, He, and Track with track being one of them. He's interested in the medical field. Obviously, Miami has an amazing medical program. It just seems like it could be a good fit. And I wouldn't put Cristobal and this staff past anyone. And the key would be getting him on campus. Now, he hasn't committed to getting on campus as of yet. He's interested. Cristobal is in contact with him. He is really focused on track and he's got a track meet coming up uh in in a weekend uh so he it it really kind of depends on his track schedule whether or not he visits miami but if he does visit miami then i would be very very close to forecasting uh harbor to miami because of everything that Miami brings for this kid checks up all the boxes for him when it comes to this, this guy wants to be a surgeon, like an orthopedic surgeon and Miami's program. One of the best in the country, their track program is a solid track program has produced a, a lot of two sport football athletes in the past. And you also got Chris Johnson, who is already committed to being on the track team. One of the fastest in Florida, So he talked about, you know, the potential players that he could be playing with. He's already talked to the staff um, uh, as far as uh, the track, the track team. And he's also talked to the medical program guys uh, or, 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 or or administrators or whoever, (laughs) however you name those guys, but um, he's already talked to those guys as well. So he's, he does his research. uh, But I think the teams to really kind of look out here for, in competition is Oregon because they are they they landed a an official visit for him July twenty uh, January twenty seventh to, to the 29th, right before signing day and we all know that's a critical visit for a kid signs. The other school I think is Maryland. I think he is interested in just staying home. He he, he talked very passionately about a lot of players staying home. He's from the D.C. area. Maryland starting to get a couple of guys to kind of stay home. So I think those two, two schools are probably the schools that may, you know, outduel Miami if they're unable to get a visit, but if they get a visit, I think crystal ball finds a way. I think he finds a way to get this guy here. He plays a variety of different positions. He plays defensive end. He plays a, uh, could play tight end, could play receiver. I mean, he's fast AF, <laughs> you know, so he's just a big guy. He would need a lot of work when it comes to running routes. 
But, you know, Gaddis has shown that he excels in developing guys in that area. Look what he did with Colby Young. So, so yeah, I, I think that is like a real possibility to monitor. We'll see if he is able to visit within the next, you know, week or so. Yeah, yeah. I know it's, he said track, the track schedule is going to dictate, uh, you know, if, he does, if Miami does get a visit. And I think he does play receiver if he comes here. I think with the amount of defensive ends that they've brought in and the amount of tight ends that they've been bringing in, I think he ends up being an outside receiver first. And if it doesn't work out, then you, then you pivot. But I definitely think that's the route that they'd be taking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, other than that, I don't really see a lot of options in recruiting, uh, to be honest. Um, uh, that's one big fish uh, to get. And I think uh, – that's my alarm to let me know that the press conference is about to happen <laughs> for Miami basketball. Uh, Miami basketball is still, still doing very well this season. And, um, you know, they'll be taking on Georgia Tech this week. Uh, but, yeah, as far as back to recruiting, I think uh, that that is the kind of the only option right now, especially with Coach Rell committing to A&M. We'll see. Uh, because let's see, let, let's be honest. We didn't see Inez Cooper coming uh, last year out of nowhere, like right before signing day. And we didn't see Matthew McCoy as well. And we didn't, we didn't really see Trevante citizen as well no. until, until right, you know, the week of signing day. So you kind of never know what, what's going to happen here. Recruiting is so fluid. I'm excited to see what crystal ball does. Yeah, me as well. Me as well. And, and hey, it's on to 2024 in a lot of different ways. They've offered double-digit offensive linemen. We've talked about that on the website. Um, yeah. Three of them out of the state of Florida, which is interesting. Miami has kind of went away from recruiting the state of Florida offensive line, except for like a Tommy Kinsler, right? But, um, you know, it's good to see some homegrown talent, get some love from from the hometown, hometown school. Um, you know, and, and some of these kids are, are some of the top offensive linemen in the country. I mean, the the kid that really intrigues me though is the Manessi uh, TT kid, if I'm saying that right, out of California, uh, six foot six, freak athlete. But the thing that interests me is is the international background that he does have, right? He, he's from he's from Congo, right? France background. It's very similar to guys like Collins Ashenpong, right? It's very similar to Samson Okamola, and it's very similar to Francis Malago and Frankie Tinelau, right? Those are two schools. I mean, two kids, those are, those are a bunch of kids that, you know, came to Miami because of the attraction of, of the success that international players have had here. Um, and, and I think that that group could be a, a big push for him to potentially end up in this class. And even with him as a three-star prospect right now, you're seeing a number of Power 5 schools, so some of the best schools in the country, start to offer and start to evaluate. Um, so I think he's going to be a big-time riser, um, and I think that – he's going to be a guy that fans need to watch out for as a potential commit. We'll look out for that. Uh, just as we will look out for everything else here at canescounty.com. That's going to wrap it up for the storm tracker podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the website. You see it there. Use promo code Miami 30 for uh, the first 30 days for free. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel live from Keynes County, as well as follow us on all social media platforms on uh, Facebook, Twitter, 
and Instagram. Also, make sure you follow the crib South Florida for all exclusive news. Appreciate you. <laughs> all exclusive news regarding South Florida high school football. That's going to wrap it up for us.